what impact are you making as a senior leader? Well, that is a key question, right? Well, who answered that question today is Stefano Volpetti. He's the president and smoke-free inhalable products and chief consumer officer of Philip Morris International PMI. So Stefano shared with us such a bold aspirational vision that PMI has created for an healthier society. When it comes to making impact on the future society, Stefano and his journey is something that definitely needs to be heard. So stay with me. That's an amazing episode and I'm going to really give you some great inspiration about leaders that make an impact out there. So let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of the World Class Leader Show. And today I'm so excited to have with me uh, a fellow Italian, but that lives abroad, as he had a very international experience, as I had mine. So is Stefano Volpetti. Stefano is the president of Smoke Free Inhalable Products and chief consumer officer of Philip Morris International. Stefano has been a prominent voice of consumer centrality, leading the company's shift from B2B model to a consumer-first model that better enables PMI's transformation to a smoke-free company and accelerates the delivery of smoke-free future. And it definitely will tell us more about this because that's fascinating. Well, Stefano joined PMI in 2019 as a chief consumer officer, as we said, and since has been at the forefront of redefining the tobacco nicotine space through the promotion of science innovation, pioneering the heated tobacco segment. Under his leadership, more than 19.7 million adults in approximately 82 markets worldwide have switched to PMI's smoke-free products and stopped smoking. First introduced just nine years ago, PMI's smoke-free products now represent almost 36.2% of the entire net revenues of PMI's. Besides that, Stefan is a global leader in consumer-centric marketing programs and really, really involved in large-scale business transformation, digital trans- acceleration, disruptive innovation. He's been a marketer with broad experience commercial roles, having obtained a winning track record with consumers both de- developed and emerging markets. And prior to MI, Stefano spent 22 years at Procter & Gamble, had several prominent roles, including leading one of the PNG's multifunctional global business units. And Stefano finally holds a degree in business administration from the Lewis Guido Carli University in Rome. So, Stefano, thank you so much for being on the show today. Good morning, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be together. Awesome. So, Stefano, let me start with the. With, no, if, I'm curious about your career. I mean, it's such an amazing career. And you started in one that's been considered one of the best teaching schools in business like Procter & Gamble. So how much Procter & Gamble has influenced your career, shaped your success, or you think that has been just you? So I'm curious to hear that. So I really believe that uh, the experience in uh, PNG was transformational and uh, literally transformational because I entered PNG when I was uh, 24 years old. Right. And uh, 22 years after, I exited as uh, the global VP for a business unit that is present in 140 countries around the world. So the Stefano of day one and the Stefano of year 22 were very, very different. <laughs> At the school of PNG, that is a school of leadership, a school of life, uh, before being a school of marketing has been uh, fundamental. I would have not even imagined to get all the way to where I got, and I owe everything to 
those years I spent at PNG that were in an investment on myself, uh, yes. really unprecedented and not even thinkable. Yeah, I bet. And one of my best mentors has been one of the leaders in the past in PNG. So the reason why I asked this question, because I'm so much close to PNG and how shape leaders. So that's why I was curious the question. And now, you know, given where you are now in other global organization like Philip Morris International, what do you think Philip Morris International briefly has added to your career, your learning from what you learned before in PNG? What is one thing that you definitely learn in PMIs? I think the, the biggest le learning in PMI is courage. Mm. And it's really uh, an element of leading the business and leading the organization with courage. You know, when you are in the middle of a transformation, a transformation that uh, is not only a company transformation, but it's an entire industry transformation. Yeah. By definition, nobody has ever done it before. Mm. So there is not a path to follow or a best practice to follow. So the element of courage plays an enormous role courage in the decision-making, courage in the investments, courage uh, in the direction you take, courage on which people you invest on, courage of how much freedom you give to, to, to people. Uh, so all aspects of the business and the organization are really a manifestation of courage. And this is uh, the most uh, uh, apparent uh, trait of this company. And the thing, the one thing that I learned the most in these uh, almost five years at PMI, which is interesting, right? Because the, our, uh, you know, from an external perspective, either you know you are, we are a smoker or not. But I think one of the major, I would say, bias about Philip Morris, like many others, global tobacco brands, is actually being a little bit more traditional, more conservative, because it's an industry that for many, many, many years. It's really either didn't want to change or there was no need to change. And now, as you say, you are going through a storm. It's not just, I suppose, a transformation based on what we are. So it's interesting how the courage it became a value for, for, I think, again, I might be completely wrong. My perception of you know large companies, they always really struggle to change so drastically. But it sounds like that is the path that you are taking, Phil Morin is taking. That leads me to the next question. So you are essentially the number one person for the smoke-free products in Philip Morris. You're really driving driving the new products, driving this revolution that Philip Morris sounds like is taking over. So what is your role? So what is your vision? What's your scope? So at least we all know what's, you know, what's important to you. So uh, as the president of the business unit, the leads, the, uh, the smoke-free products, uh, I'm not alone, and I'm not alone because the entire company is behind yes. the, uh, this uh, category. Uh, the mission of the company is to uh, phase out cigarettes over time. Mm. And uh, we start from our ethos, and our ethos is if you don't smoke, don't start. Mm. If you smoke, quit. If you don't quit, change. And by change, we mean change to smoke-free products that are scientifically substantiated to be better alternatives for smokers. Right. So the right. mission of the company is to really drive a smoke-free future and over time phase out cigarettes. 
the company is very serious about it to the point that uh, th this journey started in 2014-2015 and eight, nine years after, here we are with 36% uh, of our global revenues in smoke-free products and an enormous investment and focus from the company to realize this vision of a smoke-free future. My role is the one of uh, leading this business unit. The best way to lead the business unit is to represent the consumers. Yes. In, our, in my case, the smokers that they need to make a difficult transition from a cigarette to a smoke-free product that is not just a product transition, but is a behavior transition. And therefore, it entails much more components than just the product. Yeah, look, the numbers are staggering, by the way, because you, you said, and we said as well in introduction, so 36% of the total revenues coming from smoke-free products. So it sounds like the transformation is happening, but also is making an impact, you know, in the, in the global population. So I have a couple of questions. So I would like to start with the consumers first. So how did you see the consumer changing their behaviors? Because I was a smoker when I was younger, as many of us maybe, you know, struggle to 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 stop, to quit, but also to change completely their behaviors. Then, you know, we have seen the incredible rise of smoke-free products. But what has been your experience from a consumer standpoint in terms of the transition and how they related with, with Philip Morris as a brand? Uh, it's a very important question uh, because uh, as we uh, as we departed on this journey on a smoke-free and uh, the biggest, uh, probably the biggest revolution has been the one to put the consumer at the center. Mm. And, and when we put the consumer at the center, we understand that this company over time needed to become, and it became a data company, a science company, a technology company, and a behavior change company, because this is what is required to really help smokers transition to smoke-free alternatives. Our position is clear. If you are a smoker, the best option is to quit. But all of us know well that not many people want to quit. Hence, we provide smoke-free alternatives that are significantly better for the smokers. Mm. This is an important behavior change. And it's a behavior change because uh, cigarette is just an analog experience, uh, one right. of the last few analog experiences right. of this planet. And uh, when you move to a more free alternative, uh, there is a piece of consumer electronic. Uh, there is a completely different uh, journey uh, from a consumer standpoint. Hence, it, became, it becomes uh, a little bit more complicated and sophisticated than just an analog experience. Um, when you are trying to change a habit, and whether that habit is uh, diet, sport, or or using a different type of car, when you are trying to change a habit, there are rational components, there are social components, there are emotional components. Yeah. But there is one element that is the most important of all, that is the credibility of the brand. Because mm -hmm. if you are in front of a brand that is credible, you will be able to follow the steps needed to change that habit. Mm -hmm. But without credibility, nobody will follow. Hence, uh, it is so important for us uh, to make sure that we created credibility into the proposition of ICOS 
And we built the brand of Icos as a brand that has to be a brand of science, a brand of technology, but at the same time, a very credible brand uh, that is able to accompany smokers into the journey of change to smoke-free alternatives. The, to the point that the most frequent verbatim from Icos uh, users is, Icos changed my life. And mm. change my life is a much bigger statement than uh, I love the brand, I like the brand, I like the product. Change oh, my life yeah. has a much deeper meaning. And this is what we are after because we know that if we go do a good job at helping uh, cigarette smokers transition to smoke-free alternatives, we are literally changing the trajectory of public health globally. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm curious... Look, we, we know by all experience that, you know, changing behaviors is, could be difficult. I mean, I have a different point of view than traditional, you know, views out there in terms of, you know, it takes time to change behaviors. It does, but sometimes when people change completely their perspective about something, they can actually start to make a new habits quite straight away, by the way. So it's not necessarily, you know, this story telling that we hear that, you know, it takes months, etc. So, how ICOS, ICOS, sorry, has actually contributed to the behavioral change? Because look, at some point you might think, you know, from someone like me that is a little bit on the side of this, uh, because I'm not using products now at the moment, but I might feel, well, it's great you have a new product through communication media. Definitely you're trying to shape different behaviors to use these products instead of traditional cigarettes, but still, you know, it's a personal journey for people. So how ICOS really supporting that sort of change? Is there something different that you do, in other words, than just communication? Uh, for sure, we do we do something different in communication because in most of the places we cannot communicate. Yes, so yes. we are in a regulated <laughs> industry. We, we, actually, we actually use a model that we call the four A's model. And the okay. four A's are awareness, acceptability, availability, and affordability. Nice. And, and this is a model that is built to, to help smokers transition through the journey of moving to a smoke-free alternative. The awareness is all about being clear about the benefit of the smoke-free alternatives. Mm. When you want to change your habit, whether it is a diet, sport, or using a different car, you need to know what is the benefit of that change. Yes. And in this category, that is of paramount importance because there is a lot of stigma on tobacco mm. and uh, the small free alternatives, especially heated tobacco are pretty new phenomena around the world. Hence being able to, to communicate that benefit is extremely important because yes. you don't see the benefit, you individual, consumer, you individual smoker, you will not make that change. Yes. So that is the first important step. The acceptability of the proposition is very important because in the end, all the things that we ourselves do in life for pleasure, we do it because there is a certain level of acceptability of that pleasure. Yes. Okay. And I speak as a non-smoker, but of course I have other things that <laughs> do life that have high level of acceptability. So for us, it was important to design a product that 
at high level of acceptability among smokers. And at the same time, it was a smoke-free alternative, i.e. it eliminated the combustion from the use of tobacco. And by eliminating combustion, it eliminates 95% of the impactful substances. Mm -hmm. So this, this notion of acceptability is very important because it's easy to say you need to move to a smoke-free alternative designing a smoke-free alternative in a way that is still palatable uh, for a smoker yeah. is yes. a very, very, very difficult exercise. Yeah, I, I bet. To the point that when you put the amount of investments in science, technology, and commercialization that ICOS uh, has put down, uh, Philip Morris has put down uh, to invest on ICOS, this is up to $10 billion since we started wow. this journey. So it's a very significant development of this uh, uh, proposition. The availability is all about once you have a product that has clear benefits and a product that is palatable, how do you make sure that people have access to it? And uh, the availability in this category is important because the smokers need to have access to it, but we don't want non-smokers and we don't want underage to be exposed to these products because this is a clearly a regulated category and we have clear code on conduct on our side. So the availability is not like in FMCG uh, because it's much more complicated and much more sophisticated to make sure that we work within the remit uh, of, uh, of what uh, we give ourselves as code of conduct and what the regulators establish as a framework of commercial conduct. The affordability is also an important aspect. Our principle is uh, to make sure that we don't make price a barrier to the behavior change. Uh, so okay. this is, in a nutshell, our model. That is a model that is uh, by now well proven in uh, about uh, 82 countries around the world. So yeah, we I can have see a, that. Quite, uh, quite some uh, learnings and mastery of it. Uh, we didn't get it right uh, necessarily the first time. We didn't get it right always. Uh, but you know, when you are trying to make a behavior change in a totally new category, learning on the way is uh, part of the a, a clear part of the success definition. Yeah, and look, I, th I think what I like about these four levers that you mentioned, the four A's, is they are really tackling to the personal identity. And when I know, we know by experience, then when people are aware that they are not okay with a personal uh, personal identity, it could be like, I want to be healthy, I don't want to smoke anymore, etc. And then, of course, the habits and the, the, the addiction doesn't help to change the identity. But, was, but once really people start to consider a potential different identity, that's the time when they're happy or they're able to actually embrace new changes. And I think the four A's really are able to tackle that comparing to other traditional exercise that don't necessarily change, you know, behavior, as you said. Um, yeah, it's, that's brilliant. Okay, good. If we're shifting, uh, shifting a little bit the conversation into the company, into Philip Morris International, so how has been the, look, it sounds incredibly successful, but, you know, what is happening behind the scenes? So in other words, what you know? What has been the burden, the the challenges, the difficulties for a global brand like Philip Morris International to stamp into a completely new world, to change completely the proposition? So, look, normally, and that's another bias that we have. You know, the large large organization in the world are normally the ones that really struggle most. 
you know, to change so radically just because they're large, they're complex, they are structured, etc. So how has been the journey internally, in your opinion? But in, uh, in Philip Morris International, we have 70,000 employees. Yeah. Uh, but even in a company with 70,000 employees, the big changes are initiated by few people. Probably yeah. you can count them on the fingers of one end. Right. And once those few people set the direction, by declaring the, that direction internally and externally, that's the moment which the change really starts. Because mm. when the company went public uh, in 2014, that we would be uh, having a new goal for a small free future, that we will reach uh, a certain percent of revenue in small free products by a certain date. That was a message, a message internally and yeah. a message externally. Yeah. And those few people were the originators of this big change. And then, of course, uh, when you put organizational focus, investment, KPIs, all uh, heading in, in that direction, then the change starts to happen. Um, of course, the this is the internal part, but we should also consider the external part. Uh, there is only one certainty in this journey to a small free future. We will not be able to do it alone. Mm. And we will not to be able to do it alone because around the world there are 1.1 billion smokers. Mm. And if we want to deliver a small free future, this is not just about PMI. This is about an entire industry. This is about uh, regulators. This is about partners. Uh, this is about so uh, civil society. So in general, the the this massive change in a, such an important category that can really uh, change the trajectory of public health globally it requires much more than just one company uh, so this is an important one as we get into this journey and it probably is one of the biggest learnings of the first eight nine years in which we have been in uh, since 2014. so is he right? I, I, I'm not sure, but is he right that the vision for PMIs for, I don't know, 2030, 2040, I don't know whether it's something like that, is going fully smoke-free as an organization? That, that's the vision. So our, our stated uh, goal is that by 2030, we will be two-thirds smoke-free. So two-thirds of our net revenue will be okay. smoke-free. Okay. This is what we declared in the investor day that was at the end of September. Okay. Uh, where have we vis-a-vis -vis the goal? To, today we are at 36%. So yes. we are a bit more than one third. But what gives us confidence to go in that direction is that we have uh, about 20 countries around the world. Well, already today we have more than 50% of the revenues in smoke free. Okay. And our best country already today has more than 75% of the revenues in smoke-free. So we know that we have a path all the way to 75%. And we will put, be putting everything behind this mission. Talent, freedom to operate, investments, courage, and partnering with the external world for us to be able to deliver by 2030 uh, two-thirds of our uh, turnover to be small free products. But more importantly, 
when we start to get to 2030 and beyond, we'll start to have the first countries uh, without cigarettes. And uh, so first countries facing out cigarettes, this is a a doable mission. But as I said before, this is not just one company. This is a full movement of an entire industry supported by regulators and civil society. Yeah, totally. Well, it sounds like you are on the right path and the progress that you're making are really going to that direction. So what is missing for you in terms of how can I get there? So if you look at, I'm, I'm less interested about, of course, you know, the the strategy set, but it's more from a leadership standpoint, from you, your team, your organization, what you think is something else that you need to do, you need to focus on in terms of challenges to solve in order to get at least to that two-thirds that you mentioned? But the, the one thing that uh, at the same time motivates all of us here and at the same time is a difficult one every day is that the faster that we get there, <laughs> the bigger the positive impact on public health globally it is. Right. I.e. that on this category, taking a neutral position, i.e. not supporting the small free alternatives, but just taking a neutral position, means basically maintaining the status quo. And the status quo is that more and more smokers will be continuing to use traditional cigarettes. Because you are tolerating both behaviors at the end of the day, right? And, and the public health impact and the human health mm. impact of that uh, neutral position is very big. So for us, what motivates us is that the faster we get there, the better the impact on public health globally is. At the same time, that is an element of insatisfaction almost in the day-to-day -day work. Uh, because getting there faster, it, it, of course, it depends on us, but also it depends on many other factors and many other counterparts we work with around the world. Um, this is a company full of courage. This is a company of with an incredible determination to get to a smoke-free future. Uh, we are making progress. We would like to make faster progress. And this faster yeah. progress is probably the one thing that all of us here would like to see happening as fast as possible <laughs> so yeah so essentially is keeping the sense of urgency of the importance of going fast at the same time having is it fair your the entire organization ready to get to the speed that you want so it's it, it's so when you say fast is need you need to make things or move things faster is because there is an element of potential the entire organization need to go faster. So it's all, it's all about the, the impact externally. So in other words, is an internal focus, the, 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 the element of speed or is an external is both. It, it has a duality. It yeah. has a duality of, uh, of meaning. Um, let me take first the internal one and then we take the external one. Internally, we know that to uh, convert uh, legal age smokers of cigarettes, to small free alternatives requires more than one product, requires a portfolio, okay. different technologies and the different levels of price points. Right. As you work on more technologies, more categories, more price points, the complexity of the business becomes mm. pretty mm. important. 
if you multiply that by the number of countries we operate in and the number of users of our smoke-free alternatives, so today 27 million, and you can imagine how many to get to two-thirds of the, of the company revenue being smoke-free, there is a phenomenal level of complexity that comes in in operating in this uh, totally new environment. So going fast and managing that complexity is the internal challenge. The external challenge of going fast is more about having more and more regulators around the world recognizing the role of small free alternatives mm. as a way to improve public health and recognizing the role of what we call tobacco harm reduction, uh, that is an harm reduction strategy similar to other categories that have an harm reduc reduction strategy. And that translates in those four A's that I mentioned before to be managed in a way that the regulators are, uh, really recognize the role of smoke free alternatives. And therefore, the way we work on awareness, on acceptability, on availability and affordability becomes uh, a virtuous cycle for us to be able to drive the conversion to smoke-free alternatives for those legal-age smokers that otherwise would continue to smoke traditional cigarettes. Makes sense. So there is this duality of challenges. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. You need both, right? You need both in order to get to 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 the level that you want. Okay, great. So, so what is so if we look at your personal leadership now? So we we spoke a lot about vision, future, strategies, and and challenges from from a you know from a growth standpoint. But from a personal level, you know, most of the guests that they come on a show, they share their personal journey as a leader in achieving or fulfilling that future that you just declared. So, so what people they need to know about you and the challenge that you're faking, you, you are at the moment facing in terms of to drive that element of urgency and fast. So, you know, what is in your leadership right now? So what is keep you awake? What is, you know, what the style that you need to, to drive that sense of urgency? So how can you move people with you? So tell us a little bit more about your approach. So, since this is a journey that nobody has ever done before in this industry, yeah, uh, when true, you do true. something you have never done before, <laughs> you, you are not an expert, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I start from there, that uh, I'm, I'm leading a transformation that nobody has ever done yeah. before. Yeah. I'm very lucky to lead this transformation together with 70,000 employees uh, at uh, Philip Morris International. But the matter of the fact is I've never done it before because nobody has ever done it before. Yes, yes. So w when you are doing something that you have never done before, there are a few elements to keep in, in, uh, in mind. First, uh, there is a level of excitement uh, of doing something you've never done before. No? And yes. that level of excitement, if you put it together with the purpose of this vision, because driving small free alternatives is probably one of the biggest public health positive impact globally, this means excitement for something never done before and at the same time excitement with, for something that has full purpose. Uh, this is very good. So I feel very lucky to, to have this job. When you're doing something you've never done before, it's very important to surround yourself with mm. uh, experts, 
and there will be nobody that is expert of all the fields that these uh, big change and big transformation requires. But the collection of expertise, the collection of uh, knowledge, collection of talent uh, that I surround myself with makes it possible. And uh, so first statement is excitement. The second statement is uh, uh, this is a teamwork and a teamwork of people with experience, talent uh, from different fields. Mm. Um, and the third one is being humble about learning from mistakes. Because when you are trying to do something you've never done before, the probability that you will do some mistakes is very high. And actually, if you are not making any mistake, it means you're playing very safe and your transformation will advance very slow. Uh, so being able to learn from mistakes is important. It requires a certain level of being humble, but at the same time requires a very thorough and analytic approach uh, because you need to detect those mistakes, analyze them, make sure you don't repeat them, and extract maximum values from missteps you might be doing along the course of the transformation. So in the combination of excitement for the journey and the purpose of it, the teamwork of uh, experiences and talent and uh, being able to manage and live well with the learnings from the mistakes, I would say these are the critical ingredients uh, to, to get there. Courage is an overall, uh, an overall arching uh, uh, aspect of it, as I was saying at the very beginning, because uh, this is clearly needed uh, on this mission uh, and it's probably one of the things that makes it the most attractive together with the purpose. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And I like how you describe, you know, the, the, the three major focus for, uh, for getting the results that you're looking for. Is there anything else that people don't know about you uh, you know, behind the scene, you know, people see you most likely in the organization as the president, the chief consumer officer driving such a massive change. I mean, arguably you are one of the most important person, definitely in Philip Morris, because you are moving the, the organization to, to the vision really they are designing for the future. So is, but what really people don't know about you that it's, you know, that it's worth knowing. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, by the way, I'm not looking for personal like hobbies, more like, <laughs> You as a person, you as a character, you as a personality. And the uh, many times, uh, the uh, when you when you look at your inner characteristics, mm -hmm. many times uh, this goes back to your roots. And I have a big advantage. And my big advantage is that I came uh, from very humble backgrounds. Right. My parents didn't study beyond the primary and elementary school. I was the first one to go to middle school, high school, and imagine university was already the biggest achievement ever. Hmm. And frankly speaking, the fact that I overachieved my dreams uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago gives me an enormous freedom an enormous lightness on my shoulders. Nice. Uh, the higher you go, the more heavy weight you feel on your shoulders. Of but course. the higher I go, the more lightness I feel on my shoulders because I know that I have already overachieved my best life dreams. So I do my job uh, with one mission. The mission is if I do well for the consumers, 
and in this case, the smokers, I know I'm doing the right thing. And usually when you do the right thing for the consumers, you also have your business heading in the right direction. And when you do missteps and mistakes, you learn from it and you keep going. So this lightness that comes from the fact of uh, having a simple background and having overachieved my best dreams many, many years ago and working with the purpose of helping consumers, in this case, smokers, uh, to get to better alternatives, this is a massive simplifier uh, because you don't feel pressure. You just feel the pressure of doing the right thing. And that's an easy pressure to, to feel. Well, by the way, you, what you just shared is massive. So when people, if people are able to have that sense of lightness, as you say, definitely the pressure doesn't hit them the same way that, you know, that can happen to other people. And you, you, you said quite right. So in, in, when you're a top organizations, it's not only large organizations, but generally speaking, when you're on a top organization, the feeling of pressure is definitely higher and higher and higher. Although it's a privilege because I always say it's a privilege being in that position and shaping the world. So I think we should always recognize that. But still, you know, personally, it might be considered or perceived as a pressure. So I, I really love the way how you approach this because I think it's going to make your job and your life way, way easier than many other people out there. They're definitely more stressed or they feel more the burden of the responsibility they have. Brilliant. Stefan, the last uh, for you, just three questions really um fire chat so very quick uh, for quick question for a quick answer so is there one thing that you would like probably to say yes has been across all the entire career the biggest learning in in your in your life one thing that comes to mind the, big, the biggest learning is by far to choose the people you work for okay instead of choosing which business you work for or mm -hmm. which economic proposition you work for. Uh, when you choose the people, uh, you know you're going to get trust. You, you know you're going to get uh, freedom to operate. So choosing the right people is the most important decision to take. And this is not obvious because most of the time people refer to jobs as which industry, which category, which company, which level, which compensation. But there's nothing more important than trust from the people you work with. Trust is a massive simplifier. You never, if you have trust, you don't have to double guess what's gonna be ahead of you. And it's a massive simplification. Yeah, great. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. So on the other hand, is there anything that you would have done differently in your, in your career, you know, on the inside? <laughs> Yeah, for Many sure. <laughs> for, <laughs> for sure. I mean, uh, um, I learned uh, what, what I said before. I learned that the people choice is the most important one through mistakes. Right, uh, right. A couple of times I've chosen businesses because they were looking interesting. Yeah. Uh, they were making me very proud, but I forgot the human element of the people you work with. So I've done a couple of mistakes from a career standpoint uh, that uh, I paid uh, with uh, stress, I paid with uh, pressure, and I paid with not being happy. And those mistakes are all related to choosing which people to work for. Uh, 
instead of looking at which business or which uh, type of role you get. So the correlation to unhappy times in uh, career over uh, 26, 27 years and uh, people is 100%. The correlation between uh, uh, careers, uh, happiness and the results is or which job you do is less straightforward. With people is 100% straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Perfect. So last question. So what is your approach to learning? So how much learning is important for you? Uh, and if it's important, so what is your best source of learning? Is he reading? Is doing, I don't know. It's because many people have a very different approach. So if he's reading, yeah. then is there any book that made the difference? If he's reading. Uh, it, my approach to learning is a uh, human centric I, uh -huh. by talking to people, Good. Uh, people are in the company, mentors outside the company, mentees inside and outside the company, but just by talking to people and spending quality time with people, uh, there is an enormous amount of learning coming, both from those, those conversations, but also from the reflections that come out of those conversations. So... My biggest source of learning is exactly that, having uh, interactions with people at different levels. And I do a lot of it inside the company, outside the company. And this is, for me, the biggest source of learning. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I'm glad actually to hear that. So leaders, they still having conversation, they put conversations at the top of their, their agenda for, for learning is not only for leading. So great. So... That was an amazing conversation. So, Stefano, where people should go if they want to know more about, I mean, you, your product, what, your journey? Bye. So, first of all, Andrea, thank you for the, for the conversation. Um, uh, to know more about the company, for sure, PMI.com is the right place. Yeah. You will find a lot of information about uh, our mission, our small free alternatives, and the science and technology uh, the science and technology behind it. Uh, PMI science is uh, a very important part of uh, mm. what we do. To know more about me, uh, I don't know. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll put your uh, we'll put your link on LinkedIn profile on the show notes. So you're active, you're posting. So I think it's a good way for people to follow your journey and stay connected with you. Well, Stefano, again, thank you so much for your time with me. It's been an awesome conversation. I'm glad to hear people that are making impact on the world. So that's really close to my vision. So I'm really glad that you joined me today. Thank you very much, Andrea. It was a great pleasure.